Welcome once again to Speaking of Strong Style, where we discuss the news, issues, and events surrounding New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm Stephen Conway. With me, as always, Jeremy Finestone. We're contributors to the Fight Game Media Network and perhaps the two people left on Earth that haven't joined Bullet Club. So, uh, with this, Jeremy, we are talking about <laughs> Dominion. We had a big show this past weekend, second biggest of the year, really, Dominion is. Uh, I guess you could argue that with the G1 Finals, but I think Dominion is a nice little uh, second biggest show there. It's in the second biggest city, Osaka, and uh, it's still a thrill to watch. And it was a terrific one, a lot of news coming out of it, of course. Uh, And it's a show where New Japan pumped the brakes a little bit on the youth movement. They said, eh, not so fast. We're going to hold off on the youth movement just a little bit. But they did deliver a heck of a good show in Osaka. So, Jeremy, before we get into the details of it, which, of course, we're going to do, just your initial impression after you finished that show up and you turned off Dominion after watching it, did you have this kind of, I, I was exhilarated. I thought, boy, there's some really interesting stuff that's going to come up and some things coming. Uh, I was, again, uh, excited about the next couple of months going into G1, and I thought that they had set things up nicely, if maybe not exactly how we may have done it ourselves. I think the word I'd use is gratified. I just felt like the directions that we're going in, even if we didn't think that they were going to do certain things or have certain people win certain matches or lose certain matches, you came out of it with a sense of like, okay, there's a blueprint here and there seems to be directions for everybody and everybody has plans in the short term and in the long term. And it just makes sense. And you don't feel like the the promotion is flailing right now. It just feels like it's, it's starting to hit every gear a little more solidly. And that's just, that's something that I'm not sure every promotion in the world is doing right now. And it's just good that the one we're covering is. So we're going to talk about the Dominion show match by match, because it's worthy of that. It was a, it was a terrific evening of wrestling there. We're going to be talking about the G1 finals uh, g1 tournament lineup and not the g1 finals but the the tournament lineup we know who's in we don't necessarily know we don't know blocks yet we don't necessarily who's going to be facing who but we have some very interesting names some first timers and some guests people 32 yeah uh, so we're, we're going to go into that we're going to look ahead to all together again the big charity show that's coming up friday that involves both noah and all japan pro wrestling that'll be exciting too we have some direction for Forbidden Door, and they already have my money. <laughs> so now, now that there was going to be much doubt, but they can shut up and take my money right now for what we know about Forbidden Door. And uh, I, it's already sold me on it. So I uh, want to join. Uh, thank you, guys, Colin and Brad. I, I figured you guys would be here. We're happy to see you uh, here live on YouTube. For those of you who are listening as a podcast, we're available on all the po- podcast platforms, uh, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, all those things. Uh, please give us a, a rating, a review, all that stuff. It really does help people find the show and we appreciate it so jeremy should we just roll into this dominion thing we got a lot to talk about here might as well top to bottom let's do it dominion took place on sunday june 4th 2023 at osaka joe hall uh first show back at osaka joe hall since last year's dominion by the way and i wanted to mention something here attendance for this one 7040 listed according to wrestlingdata.com last year was 6068 so just under a thousand more it is the largest crowd in this building since the new beginning in Osaka. And listen to this, February 9th, 2020. So just before the pandemic hit. So that would have been very early 2020. And uh, I think, what, later that month, perhaps, or maybe early into March is when everything really shut down. Uh, it's the fourth consecutive show, fourth consecutive show at Osaka Joe Hall where New Japan has increased its attendance over the previous one. So trending upwards. 
So just a little bit of data there I thought was interesting. And uh, it just shows right now that people are starting to get their momentum back as far as New Japan goes. I think people are kind of happy with what they're seeing. They're excited that they can make noise again. And, they were uh, responding to things that they liked in the show, man. They were they, certainly they were. were on fire for some of this stuff. <laughs> and it's interesting. Osaka is culturally more gregarious than Tokyo. Tokyo is a little more buttoned down, reserved. I've been to both cities, loved them both. Osaka is looser. You, the people, you know, if you go into Tokyo, you'll see these armies of people, just this herds of people in white shirts, black pants, or, you know, something very, very incredibly similar to that. In Osaka, people are wearing a little bit more colors. Uh, I, I got kitted around by somebody in Osaka. They teased me about my Cubs shirt and said, you know, pointed to themselves Cardinals. And I'm just like, ah, you know, all that, stuff. that would never happen in Tokyo because people would be worried about offending you. But in Osaka, you got to have a little bit of a sense of humor to get around. It's a gotta, bit of a got to be able to cast a little bit. But what that does is it brings a more vocal and more contrarian uh, wrestling crowd. They're, 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 they'll make noise to who they want. Uh, and yeah, Brad mentions bigger crowds, noisy crowds, even some fans without masks. Yeah, it, it felt as close to normal as possible. It's getting there. It's getting there, isn't it? And of course, Osaka Joe Hall holds 11,000. And, and back in 2020 and things, they were drawing 11,000. We're not quite back to that yet. But again, that four consecutive show streak they have where attendance is going up, it's got to be a good thing. So. Just some thoughts there before we go into the matches. There was a Young Lion uh, series. Oscar Loibe ran the gauntlet this time. He uh, went to a draw with Ryohei Oiwa. These are the five-minute matches. And right. then uh, he and Ole, uh, Bolton Oleg, uh, same thing, five-minute draw. And then the exhausted Oscar Loibe lost to Yudo Nakashima in two minutes and 55 seconds. So uh, once again, the uh, Young Lion consecutive series. No one's run the gauntlet yet. Uh, Oiwa gave it a shot. Now Loibe's had a shot. Do, do we'll you have any predictions who, who's gonna who's gonna pull this one off? I, you know, I, if it, if if Oleg hadn't looked so friggin' green in those preview matches last time, I would have said him. Now I'm not sure he's ready for that yet. So I don't think Nakashima's gonna do it. So uh, I mean, I, if anybody, it's going to be Oleg, I suppose, because they do seem to be treating Bolton Oleg a little bit different than the others. But uh, uh, so we got right now, I, I think Loiwa, we got. I think Loibe might have the biggest upside of these guys so far. And besides from o Bolton Oleg just being a Hulk right. of a human being, you know, if right. he gets this, if he if he gets the charisma and the work down, and he's very early in his career. He may well then that's a bona fide monster star this, perhaps, might be, but... this might be the ultimate underdog spot so yeah Nakashima or, or uh Ryohei Oiwa yeah. if they're at the at the end of it after like the other guys get so close these guys pull it off Brad Reader I agree with Brad here I'd love to see these gauntlets uh they must be so much fun yeah I'll bet they are to watch I'll yeah. bet they're kind of a kick but you know I had pre-show match a little something for the live crowd there so then uh I guess we're just gonna go do we want to go main event to bottom I think we'll go, go main event main. oh you want to start with the main yeah we'll go with the main all right. We'll just start with the top because that's that's the big topic, and then we got Will and we got Will at the very end. It's all good. The IWGP World Heavyweight Title was contested between Sonata and Yota Suji in his first match back after his excursion. Now we saw uh, at the press conference the day before the show, Yota Suji officially joined Lij. He had hinted at it by doing the, you know, the fist to the heart and then up when he laid out just five guys, but. LIJ hadn't really acknowledged him before that. Well, the LIJ, the, the members that we all know and love, came out to the press conference and uh, talked to Yoda Suji there in front of the crowd after Sonata had left. 
And sure enough, they, he joined the group full-on members. So there you have it. They did accompany him to ringside like they have been uh, for each other's major matches uh, over the last month or so. Sonata, of course, had just five guys out there with him. There was no interference, thankfully. But what we saw, Jeremy, I think, was a brilliant debut for Yoda Suji. So this great. Guy, <laughs> so he comes out there and he already has this odd charisma. He's got this unsettled smile that looks like it could turn into a snarl at any point. And that was my girlfriend's impression when she was watching it. My girlfriend doesn't really follow wrestling week to week, but she just said he looks like the guy that goes from smiling to trying to pull your face off. <laughs> and so, you know, and I, I kind of agree with that. I can see that smile turning to a snarl if he decides to. Uh, Sonata, he does of course, it differently than a guy like Batista, who I right. immediately think of as the as the like prototype for doing that. He does it completely differently, which is like somewhat unprecedented. I can't put my finger on it. Yeah, and Sonata, of course, I had to act like he didn't know what to make of this guy. You know, again, and and the only thing he knew was that they were oh, that he had to avoid the spear at all costs because it t- tore him in half the last time he felt it. It's the only thing he knew about Suji was this thing. Well, immediately, that didn't work out so well. <laughs> well, they put it into play very early because Sonata tried to do his leapfrog and got trucked, which was a great spot and got a big pop out of the crowd because Suji didn't duck down the leapfrog. He just he just this, basically spared him. This gif, if it ever made it out into the real world, is amazing. It is literally a spot that is worth paying ten dollars for <laughs> one month just to watch it on repeat because he gored this man into four pieces at once. <laughs> and so then Sonata rolls to the outside. Suji then bounces off the ropes and comes up with a gorgeous Fosbury flop. And I mean, just soared like a junior heavyweight. There's the shot of it there for the folks on YouTube. It is a beautiful move. He looked great, hit it perfectly. And uh, it, it stunned the crowd. Big wow. You could just hear that wow. Uh, which is such a wonderful noise for a Japanese wrestling crowd when they get really stunned by something. And as far as I'm concerned, he was over right then. They got him over in about the first the minute of the match. And not that he needed a whole lot of help because people were kind of excited about this. I think people were fired up for Suji. Well, this opening minute solidified it. And after that, you started hearing uh, Yota chants from that crowd. And I think he had more support from Sonata, there's always going to be a little of that because people want to see a title change. Uh, you want to see history if you pay to see an event. You know, you're hoping you maybe see some history. And uh, I don't think they dislike Sonata because a lot of them are doing the cell phone thing at the end and, and holding that up. But Suji had a lot of support in this match here. And I think, uh, I think the vibe was that there was something special about the match and you thought something big could happen because the energy was there and it was manufactured by the crowd it was manufactured by the build it was manufactured by the fact that he was a yoda suji was a potential unknown all you had was the mystique of what he was coming in and you had the build of the video that was playing on every show on the new japan cup all the way to through uh april and all the shows there at what's occurred genesis and uh it was just the build Everything about him made him seem larger than life. And this crowd got to see his first match. And they're like, how far are they going to go with this guy? And as soon as he was just blowing the crowd away, it was like, yeah, okay, we we like you. Like, go to the moon, buddy. Take it all. 
Sonata did manage to get the skull end on fairly early in this one. Uh, and then he went for a moonsault, but uh, Suji got his knees up off the mm -hmm. Muda moonsault. There was a Boston Crab spot from Suji, which is nice because there's a Boston Crab in every young lion match, right? I uh, even turned that into a pendulum where he grabbed oh, all four of his so limbs. <laughs> yeah, a lot of Yoda chance at that point. The crowd was really into him. Uh, he even got this really interesting sequence that ended with a curb stop for a near fall. I haven't seen... Him, did he? There he were a kind of lot of curb stomps on this show. There were a there lot were. of curb stomps. Yeah, I know. Seth would have been pretty. Uh, Sonata ended up hitting. Here's the key to the match. He kept trying the spear. Sonata would get out of it. He would counter it. He would do something. At one point, Suji even blocked with his arm a shining wizard. Just kind of brushed it aside. He went for the spear, and Sonata hit a shining wizard type of a drop kick right into his head while he was trying to spear him, and that was the turning point. Because after that, he hit a moonsault. He hit a formal Shining Wizard that Muda would have been proud of and then hit the deadfall for a three count. So this was only 17 minutes, which is a short main event for New Japan. But I wouldn't have wanted them to try a whole lot more. This was about right. It felt about right. And I thought it was a great debut for Suji. I'm not convinced they made the right call in keeping the belt on Sonata here. I'm still not. But... I'm going to talk about that in a second. Remind me to come back to that. No, no. Well, this is a conversation we're going to have. Yes, because I'm a little bit torn on it, but Sonata wins. He's going to go into G1 as the champion. There was no challenge laid down after this. It doesn't look like he's going to have another title match before. He might, but right now there isn't anything going on. And in the road shows that are coming up, the house shows, he's just having multi-man tags against lij and just five guys in lij again so it doesn't feel like there's going to be another title match but they might he he walks out you know head held high and all that with the championship he was gracious to suji at the end suji of course walked out with the young lions lij did not help him out like they did with the others which i thought was interesting however on backstage comments bushi helped yoda suji in to the interview area and then gave him the fist bump right there. So they didn't just say, well, screw him. He lost, but you know, they, again, they didn't do the thing where they helped him out either. So I, I, I think he's still in, he may still be in his probationary period. I think we're okay. There was an article in one of the new Japan uh, presses and it was basically Naito took uh, Yota to his favorite family restaurant and they dined together with the reporter and they explained what the relationship was going to be about why Yoda Suji. It was the full tell-all. Uh, nice two-page article that ended with uh, Naito remembering that he had a gift for Yoda outside and he needed to go to his car. And Yoda actually remembered he had a souvenir from Mexico that he needed to go with Naito to the car. However, as long as the reporter waited, neither man returned. True uh, L.I.J., I think he's in. <laughs> True cheeky bastards. Well, there you go. We saw Starborn. Yeah. Uh, there, I don't think there's any doubt about it. This guy has the charisma. The match was terrific. He was. He's a good worker. He has size. He has uh, a little bit of flying ability. That Bosbury flop, I'm telling you. If you were a baseball player, Ricochet, Ricochet, star tool player. Ricochet does not do that move any better than Yodosuchi does. It was that good. And uh, I think this dude's got it all. And I think he's going to be a major, major star in the business. And knowing that Naito is 40 and beat to hell, this might be exactly what LIJ needs. And I'm not saying you bench Naito yet, but you got to think about the future. And this guy could be the future of LIJ. We, we talked 
a lot last year about who we wanted to put our money on of all the young lions. Was it going to be, uh, was it going to be Shota? Was it going to be Ren? Was it going to be Yoda? And I was pretty hard and firm that, uh, I, my money was on Yoda Suji, uh, as the guy I wanted to get behind. And I feel validated by this in a lot of ways, this showing, um, I think the money match is going to be Yoda Suji and Naito at some point, and potentially for the rest of their careers, these two will be locked in some type of leadership slash rivalry. And we're just seeing the beginning of it, but that leads to a different question. Steven, did they make the right call in this, in your opinion? Would it have been better to belt Yoda Suji tonight or was it the right call to remain with Sonata at least for the short term? During the match, I felt like it should be a title change. I felt like they, I felt that Suji was hot enough. I think the crowd was into it, that it was, it was time to do it. I said when Sonata beat Okada, that this guy's not going to headline the Tokyo Dome next year. He's just not in that spot. He's just not one of the top guys. He's, he's, one of their better guys, but he's not a top, top guy. And if you're going to sell tickets in the Tokyo Dome, it's not with Sonata on top. I didn't think Sonata was going to beat Okada. So there you go. But they had other ideas from Okada that we're seeing play out. Uh, I thought Shota Omino was the best young lion out of that batch. And I still think he might end up being the biggest star out of that. But I still think this is a future Tanahashi right there. So Suji was so impressive, though, at Royal Quest. And when he debuted like that, I just thought maybe here's the thing I'm trying to say about Sonata, though. That crowd sided with Yoda and were chanting his name. Mm-hmm. After the match, they didn't throw down their, you know, tear up their tickets and march out. No, they stayed and listened to what he said for his comments afterwards, which he's not that great at. It's it's he's not the most charismatic dude in the world. But the crowds are up. Putting the belt on Sonata didn't hurt the crowds. I mean, best of the Super Junior, she wasn't on the shows and all this stuff. But this drew seven thousand. Drew a thousand more than last year. Uh, it's maybe I'm wrong about Sonata. Maybe he is that type of guy and can get there. It just, man, in the moment during the match, I just thought, oh, they should just do the switch. Just launch this dude. Launch him into the stratosphere. And uh, but I, you know. I think he's going to be a big factor in G1. I think he's going to do well in G1. I don't think he's going to lose very much in G1. But, boy, it, I still have a little bit of trouble seeing Sonata as somebody you build a Tokyo Dome show around on top. I just struggle I, to see it. I never thought Sonata was going to enter the Wrestle Kingdom with the IWGP title. I think that at some point after the G1, there will be a match that put him put him in put him in a hazard zone for somebody to challenge him for that title and then take it from him and my money would be Okada somewhere in bracket play Okada doesn't make it to the end of the G1 Osprey and Okada really does seem like the logical final play for this next Wrestle Kingdom and all roads lead to that so knowing that Presumably, Sonata isn't going to be on top on top at Wrestle Kingdom, as we both presumably think. You got to give him at least a little bit of a run. And if you take it off of him on his first title defense, that says a lot about what New Japan thought of him, what they think of just five guys, and the effort that they are rebuilding 
a number of these factions. There was a lot more at play than just a single match. There was a perception about the confidence and the build that they had in, in this new 2023 era. Um, well, he had, and he that, had that, that defense way, against Hiromu. He, he had a defense against Hiromu. Was a second that's right. Him, I'm right. sorry. He did have but, a defense against Hiromu. No, but, your point's made. If he, he would be a pretty short-term champion for a new and, Japan. And having, and having his one match against the junior heavyweight champion only is not is, is not exactly, you know, like the platitude that you, that you want to go forward arguing that this guy was a legitimate, like, champion that everyone can defend and say, hey, that, that run was solid. So he needs... He needed to at least get to the G1 as the champion so that when there is a lot of attention on New Japan that people don't normally pay attention to, it's not Okada on, with the belt. It, it's not Yoda Suji because Yoda Suji is a blank slate. He has all the opportunities to rebuild from this. Sonata, they've kind of broken that glass a couple of times, and you can't put that glass back together the same way. So I think the right choice was made for the long term, even if the short term seems short sighted. Some comments about the matches here. Brad mentions, I love the story of this match. Suji not having preview matches meant Sonata didn't know how to prepare for him. All he knew was the spear. So it eventually ends when Sonata counters it for the win. Yep. It was very good storytelling. Yep. And uh, you know, like we, we Colin mentions, you know, they were having none of Suji was funny. It was kind of, was kind of funny. <laughs> I, I, I was wondering, geez, are they just going to drop him? But I, I didn't think that it's made also, much sense. And they didn't. They did. They, they are, they are baseball fans. And when you have a big home run, your first big home run, everybody ignores you. <laughs> but you ignore, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Uh, Ren Suzuki, Naito Suji, Shooter, Shooter Okada, Fujita Z, uh, ZSJ. The kids are being paired with these veterans is perfect and brilliant, says Brad. It's it's a good idea. The kids are uh, all right. Yeah, but yeah, they're certainly showing up. And then Brad also mentioned something here that's worth mentioning. Yeah, with, worth bringing up. Do you think the bigger crowds are due to them being behind Sonata and the new directions, or just because they're happy to be back at NJPW? I don't think Sonata is the reason the crowds are up. But new directions and a fresh look, I think, is helping. I think that the idea that there are new people coming up is exciting to fans. And I also do feel that they are happy to be back and can cheer loudly and don't have to wear a mask uh, necessarily. And, and I'm not again, I'm not trying to get political on that. It's it's more comfortable. Not I think we can all agree with that. Right. I mean, you, and. Even when I just know that when I wore a mask out in public and things, I, I talked quieter and less. I just did because, you know, you got this thing over your face. So now that's not there for some of these people and they can be a little bit more vocal. So there, there are I, I do. People. I think a lot of things are happening here. The, the, but a a hot product is one of them. More people talking about New Japan and, and wondering about New Japan and inquiring about New Japan, if not just the crowds, it's people talking about the shows and there's curiosity and it's not just like, oh, Okada's on top, like John Cena and WWE. There, there is legitimate like changes in tides and people, people are interested. So it's, it's a good thing. Colin's asking, are they still going with limited capacity crowds? And no, they're not. Uh, the uh, All the seats are open and available now. So uh, again, we're, we're not at the point of, we were in, in, certainly not in 2017 when they almost filled the entire Tokyo Dome for Kingdom. And, and we're still not quite back where we were before the pandemic. But no, crowds are not uh, limited. And there were empty seats at Dominion. Yeah, there were. Uh, the, the building holds about 11,000. They put 7,000 in it. So, uh, but again, that's up from previous times so hopefully Shall we we're move on? in the correct direction let's do it now next one was never open weight six-man title match now 
there have been better matches this year. It's not the match of the year so far. Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom is for me in my subjective opinion so far. There have been more emotional matches this year. I think Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens finally beating the Usos at WrestleMania was the bigger explosion of emotion. There have been wilder matches. Anarchy in the Arena is a good example of a really wild match that kind of goes nuts. I think I had as much fun as a wrestling fan watching this match as I have had any match this year. Again, I'm not saying it's the best or the most emotional or the wildest, but as far as just having fun watching a wrestling match, I think this is the, the my favorite one so far this year. Is that as far as that goes? I just had such a good time watching these six guys, and Quadio Castagnoli, who teamed with John Moxley and Shota Umino, faced Kazuchika Okada, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Tomohiro Ishii. And of course, that New Japan group are the current Never Overweight Six Man Tag Team Champions. You had three different pairs going at it here. Ishii and Moxley can't just can't be in the same room without punching each other or headbutting each other. We'll get to that. Okada and Umino, of course, are under each other's skin like nobody else. And Tanahashi and Claudio were kind of giving each other the side eye the whole time until they clashed. Claudio had all kinds of visa and travel issues. And according to what Dave Meltzer said on his show, they got Claudio to the arena only 25 minutes before the match. That's amazing. The chemistry that they had was very impressive considering they had no time to plan anything with Claudio. Uh, the tags, you know, Red Shoes wasn't too worried about tags in this one. And that worked in their favor out here. They did a wonderful job of working people in and out, yet still keying on this idea that Shota is there to fight Okada. And Moxley sees Ishii and just wants to punch him and vice versa. And Claudio had something to prove to Tanahashi. So these three rivalries wove in and out of one another this entire match. And it was just a wonderful wrestling match. At one point, Ishii he jumped up in the air and headbutted Moxley so hard, he ended up busting Moxley open. It's not a wrestling match unless Moxley's bleeding, of course. Uh, everyone wrestled this match with a real screw you attitude toward the other team. And, and, and that worked in its favor. It was Look a mean guy match. It was a hard-hitting match from a bunch of mean guys. Yeah, exactly. And while Tanahashi isn't normally a mean guy, we know that he can throw down when he needs to. That's been the story of his career. It's like, all right, you've, you've pissed me off enough. Now you're going to He's pay. the guy at the bar that sits there and waits and goes like, all right, fine, and then breaks the glass bottle and gets involved when he knows he's got, he's got to do it. Yeah. And the, and it, you just saw things like uh, – Okay, <laughs> he showed a hit the big neck breaker and a death rider on Okada for two. Uh, the giant swing from Claudio on Okada, and everyone was just amazed. They're like, That's Kazuchika Okada taking the giant swing, you know, like we didn't think you were going to see something like this. Uh, Okada's partners ended up rallying, and Omino ended up triple teamed by them in the ring. He managed to get out of that, uh, with the help of some of his partners, but it was one of those things where everybody got thrown to the outside again, and Shooter was left with Okada. Uh, Okada was trying to beat him with a money clip earlier in the match as an extra FU. Like, I don't even need to use the Rainmaker. Disrespect. <laughs> but he did. He had to use the Rainmaker. And he did hit the Rainmaker. And he did pin Umino again. So the story continues that Umino still has this mountain to climb uh, in the shape of Kazuchika Okada. This match was fantastic, though. And uh, the whole everything about it was just great. The way people worked with each other, the way they worked guys in and out of the ring, the timing of somebody jumping in on someone else was almost perfect the whole time. And again, 
did not have much time to plan this. So uh, I, I love the match. It wasn't crisp, but you used a lot of descriptors when you were talking about this match at the very beginning. The word I would use for the vibe of this match was electric. It was hmm. just it was just the vibe of when Claudio, Shoda, and Mobley came out to the Death Rider music and were standing in the crowd, and you just knew that uh, it, at least in the Japanese crowd, shit was about to go down. <laughs> and that was that was the Japanese version of it for for the New Japan crowd. And so the electricity of like, oh, we got something special. This is this is a big time match with the American crowd. It it, it paid off, and the energy was palpable. And even though the match wasn't crisp, it wasn't glamorous in any way. It was a mean guy match, and these guys beat the crap out of each other, top to bottom. But Okada is an asshole right now. He is a unmitigated, surly jerk who's very much exasperated by anyone challenging him for his self-acknowledged deserve, self deserved spot. And don't get anybody wrong, it is deserved, but he's always going to be challenged. And he's just, he's tired of it, and it's just amusing to see because he's beaten the shit out of anyone in his way. <laughs> So yeah, and and of course afterwards. Now the match was special enough. Then we got the announcement. John Moxley gets on the crowd after the match, and he says, "Okada, you think you're the best in the world, but bad news. We train with a guy that's the best in the world." A video begins to play. It's Brian Danielson out in the desert saying that uh, you know out in the desert there's no rain. So you call yourself the rainmaker. Where I'm going to take you. There ain't no rain. And and it's uh, that was beautiful for one thing. And he challenged him for Forbidden Door. And so the dream match we were all hoping for is going to happen. Brian Danielson will face Kazuchika Okada at Forbidden Door. And right away, take my damn money. I don't it's care. Fantastic. It's just brilliant. It was something that when Daniel Bryan was still in WWE and having terrific matches with everyone except the Fiend because Brian Daniel, you know, he's not a miracle worker, but he was still having these great matches. They got if he could just get in there with these New Japan guys. And I was saying that about Claudio also. And of course, I've been banging the drum for Claudio. Claudio is a New Japan wrestler. He just hasn't wrestled in New Japan yet. You said that last has. week and you are correct. He, he fit in exactly. He, he was he melted into it. I was so hoping he was going to be in G1. We didn't quite get that. Maybe next year. But now look, Blackpool Combat Club is a main event uh, act for AEW, and you don't necessarily send your main event act mm -hmm. away for a month. I I get it. There's there, you got a business to run. I, I do understand. I was just hoping, but uh, we we are going to get this, and this is absolutely going to be brilliant. And uh, some comments we had here. Uh, Colin said that was his match of the night, and uh, Brad I said. I wish I could have this playing on a loop on my TV all day and night. Six dudes beating the hell out of each other. I love this one so much. And yeah, 20, a 25 minute match. Uh, Colin mentions that it was a long one and it didn't feel like it, it breezed right by. And Brad says that Claudio looked like he'd been in new Japan for years. He fit so naturally. And also, uh, People have been watching him because half the people called him Cesaro in the backstage comments. So uh, apparently people have been watching him for years and years in the, the New Japan locker room because everyone, was call including Okada, was calling him Cesaro. And in the, uh, the subtitles, they did switch it to Claudio. He said Cesaro, but they switched it to Claudio there. Uh, so that's good. And, I, I'll, and Brad mentions, this is just funny, Moxley having two microphones, not knowing how to turn them on. The ring announcer did flip the little switch on it. Arigato. He says, thank you. Arigato. And did a little bow to the guy. So uh, that was fun there. 
And uh, yeah, Colin say, thought it was going to be Danielson uh, ZSJ uh, at uh, Forbidden Door too, which would have been brilliant, also, right? But I think we'll get it one better. day. I just don't know if we're getting it anytime soon. While Zach has that new Japan TV title, well, there's another guy with a TV title over there right. uh, named Samoa Joe, and I think there's a decent Samoa Joe see... from my hometown. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, he is. and uh, he, the the only Samoan that's not related to the Rock and uh, Roman Reigns, uh, as he's joked about many times. But uh, yeah, Samoa Joe and Zach is where they're kind of hinting at, and let's hope that happens there. But uh, yeah, I I'm all in for this. If you pardon the AEW pun, there. So, I have completely come to the conclusion that Brian Danielson is one of their super mega special attractions. He is literally a dragon that they hide be- hide in a barn door until they absolutely <laughs> need to call him out. They have way too many talented people in the Blackpool Combat Club that they literally do not need to sound the horn on this man until things are ultimately dire like Anarchy in the Arena or top top boss Kazuchika Okada. Otherwise, Danielson the Dragon just kind of rests longingly until he is summoned once more for battle. But that's how he is now in, in AEW. If this yeah. is how you want to save him and preserve him, I am all for it. Let's do it. <laughs> And, and that might be the second best match of that night. Think about that for a second. Uh, we're going to get to that. So, uh, all right. Up next, though, we have the uh, junior heavyweight title. That was Hiromu Takahashi and Master Wato. Bombed. And, I yeah. Was so bombed. <laughs> you know, again, it's the youth movement, pumping the brakes on the youth movement. This was a really good match. It was 19 minutes and 50 seconds. Uh, it, was, it was really good. Uh, Hiromu did uh, a, a lot of his moves early, hit the running drop kick from the uh, apron to the mm-hmm. floor. He hit a suplex to the ramp. It was a little bit more of a brawl than you usually see from these guys early on. They've fought a lot around ringside. Watto hit his tornillo, but he missed the springboard uppercut move that he does where he kind of hits the European uppercut off the springboard. And about 15 minutes in is when you start to really get the feeling this was going to end any time now because they start hitting their big moves on one another. Uh, Watto reversed a time bomb two attempt into a tombstone. Uh, that was a nice little two count there. Uh, Resetamente after that for two. He hit the high angle German, but Hiromu kicked out. Uh, that was very close, and the crowd thought it might be the finish. You could see here the little pop when he kicked out because they, there was even a pop for the move itself. Like, oh, uh, he is going to win this, but not uh, Hiromu kicked out. Uh, Hiromu ran into a spin kick, and then Wado hit the Sentakaku for a two point nine. That crowd was really into the match at this point. Of course, Wato was from Osaka, so we had a little bit of a hometown crowd there. Uh, Hiromu escaped another resettimente and uh, rolled him up for two. In that point, he went for time bomb two. Wato rolled out of it. Hiromu hit the time bomb. Wato kicked out of the time bomb to a huge pop. But after that, there was a Hiromu-chan bomber and a time bomb two for the win. The last few minutes of this were terrific. Just guys hitting moves back and forth and some terrific near falls. But uh, once again, the safety blanket, Ghetto, the New Japan booker, his safety blanket kicked in, his instincts, and he stuck with Hiromu Takahashi as the champion here. Uh, so, talk about the, we, we talked about the youth moment. Master Wado wins best of the Super Juniors. Shoto Amino is building up on Okada. Yoda Suji makes a fantastic debut. And in the end, the winners were Sonata, Okada, Hiromu. So... I'm not saying there's no youth movement. That's not what I'm saying right mm-hmm. here. I'm saying that New Japan is still a little nervous about it. And the ghetto is going to stick with his boys for a little while. You know while. what else is curious is I this year, and I'm pretty sure last year, the best of the Super Juniors winner did not go on to beat the champion. Because I think yeah. Hiromu was the champion last year. And he lost. Yeah, Ishimori was the champion. And right. Hiromu won best of Super Juniors, but and lost, lost. Ishimori. 
So we've gone at least two years with the best of the super junior champion, not being a presumptive winner going on to win the title. So is that going to be a trend that continues on for a few more years? Or do you think that they're going to have to pivot back to, you know, that's an interesting story too, because presumably when you win a tournament, that kind of thing, uh, the payoff is is something a little bit bigger and they haven't done it for a couple of years. I, I don't remember how they were in uh, 2021 mm-hmm. or 2020, but I, it's a curious trend, my friend. Last year we demonstrated that even without the junior heavyweight title, Hiromu was the biggest star in that division. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Ishimori thing, it's not a knock on him. He's a fantastic worker. Uh, he was, he would have been a great champion, but all of his title offenses kept falling through, through absolutely no fault of his own, uh, the Kushida thing and all that. But, uh, it was very, very clear that Hiromu doesn't need that title. So I, I kind of thought this was the time to pass it over to Wato because Wato could be helped by that title. Whereas Hiromu is the perfect guy to hold the belt every once in a while in order to lose it to somebody like Master Watto right. who needs the boost because Hiromu is basically bulletproof. He's the biggest star in the division, whether he has the belt or not. Now, that doesn't mean you beat him all the time. You keep those wins over Hiromu few and far between, and it'll keep meaning the same thing. They did this, I keep comparing him to Liger, but as far as his position in the division, it's very, very similar to that. You can always put the belt on Liger for and have him defend it a couple of times, and it's perfectly legitimate. And that way, when he loses it to the next guy, the next guy steps up in the on the ladder. Uh, I thought that's where we were going with this. Right. Not quite. Not quite yet. But it doesn't uh, we'll seem say. like it. But my presumptive assumption at this point is that he's going to hold the belt at least through the Junior All Star Tournament in Philadelphia, mm. uh, like August nineteenth or twentieth, whatever it is that he's uh, that he's hosting with all the Junior All Stars around the world. Mm. And Colin was happy to see Hiromu retain. He's not the biggest Watto guy in the world. But Brad mentions this. He said Watto might not be the next face of the juniors. He might not be. But uh, damn, he's moving into that level now, having the run of his life. He certainly is doing that. Watto's okay. a guy that actually could move into a heavyweight role, too. He He's not someone that looks like Why don't you ever want anybody in the junior heavyweight? You want everybody to move. You want Hiromu to move up. I want ever. I don't know. Like, I just feel like there's – I don't know. Ah, that's the Vince McMahon <laughs> you got me. You, you got, got me. Get, get all the vanilla midgets out of here. What the hell? That's a, that's a pally. Uh, all right, so we'll move on from that. We're going to try to get through the rest of this card a little bit quicker than we have. There was a lot to talk about there, and there's yeah. still more to the head. David Finlay defeated El Fantasmo for the never open weight title, 18 minutes, 51 seconds. Nothing wrong with the match, nothing spectacular about it either. El Fantasmo was very good in it. Uh, Finlay still doing the whole just pissed off, angry type of thing. He had other people with him that we'll talk about, the, the newest members of Bullet Club. We'll get to those turns here in a little bit. But uh, they were out. They didn't. They, they distracted more than they interfered. Uh, distracted more than they interfered. And Phantasmo hit. They threw him off his game. He hit a moonsault from the top rope to the floor on two of them. Jumped right back up. Hit a rolling senton, kind of a somersault senton, onto two more of them. And uh, we'll talk about the names here in a little while. Uh, but then he jumped back on the top rope, and Finlay shoved him off the top rope to the floor, which is what he did to Tamatanga. Uh, before beating him down, there was uh, Chekhov's table that had been set up about 10 minutes earlier, uh, and uh, that uh, awaited uh, El Fantasma on the outside. He got power bombed through it, and then after that, he threw him back into the ring, uh, hit the power bomb, the Oblivion, which used to be the Trash Panda, and got the pin. Uh, this is just classic. Finlay is being pushed. 
He is staffing Bullet Club with his own guys because he's aware that Bullet Club tends to overthrow their leaders rather than have any smooth transition of power. So he's starting to stock it with newer, more aggressive young guys that are loyal to him. And uh, that's the story of it. And El Fantasmo was part of the old Bullet Club and therefore had to be destroyed. I don't feel like Fantasmo is got crushed here. He had a good match, and I still think he's going to be a successful babyface for New Japan. But it's not time to beat Finlay quite yet. I, I, I'll agree with that. And uh, I, I think this, is, this had to be this way. This is the beginning of the story. And what is gratifying is that I have looked around online and I'm starting to see opinions starting to change on Finley and his presentation. People are starting to accept him and this new Bullet Club. Maybe maybe just a little bit, but the, the ice is starting to thaw. And I think it's deservedly so. They're working very, very hard. And uh, I think I think they're working in the right direction. We had a title match for the vacant IWGP tag team titles and the NJPW strong openweight tag team titles. Both of those sets of belts on the line here in this one. We had Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi against the United Empire, Great Okan and Aaron Hanare, and the House of Torture. <laughs> so, uh, weakest match on the card, Jeremy, you figure? Just because yeah. of the House of Torture shenanigans? I think this, I was more curious about what the destination was than anything happening in the match. And uh, they they gave the live audience minutes of their life, but there wasn't, there wasn't much more to this. There was a lot of bullshit. And mm-hmm. if you were critical of House of Torture matches, you will find your... Uh, your bias will be confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, in this one, uh, they did manage to, uh, they being Bishamon, managed to overcome all the interference from uh, House of Torture, which involved show and it involved Dick Togo, of course. Yo, thankfully, came out and helped him, ran a couple of them off there. And uh, yeah, uh, Goto even went off the top rope with a top rope bulldog on uh, Yujiro, which you don't see Goto getting airborne all that often. And he, he didn't jump off as more as he kind of fell off and fell for <laughs> But Yujiro was close <laughs> enough that he just kind of dug him down. Goto's not going to soar, I think, is what we've learned from this. He's not He's not going to soar. But uh, anyway, after that, they did hit the Shoto on, on Yujiro, and it was all over. Uh, and this opens the door for perhaps uh, Bishamon and, and FTR again at Forbidden Door. Perhaps mm-hmm. that hasn't been spoken of. What we did get, though, was an announcement that the Bullet Club War Dogs were War coming. Dogs! <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, okay, who's this? We didn't know who this was. Well, Alex Coughlin and Gabriel Kidd came out <gasps> with their new Bullet Club shirts, and they beat down Bishamon afterwards. So basically, the entire LA dojo has gone with Bullet Club almost. And we've got Alex Coughlin, Gabriel Kidd, Clark Connors, and you know, Finlay seems to have recruited all of Shibata's former guys. You see what happens when Shibata leaves? Everything goes to hell. Everything. You know, I tell you what. So uh yeah, and uh the, the entire LA dojo gone with uh, Bullet Club for the most part. And again, the, telling, sto- the story is they're me- younger, more aggressive, and loyal to Finlay. You're telling me Gabriel Kidd joined Bullet Club. He, you know, he did. And if only I could think of, I feel like I heard somebody mention that he should. Do you, don't you have, you, you have a, we, we happen to have a clip or something like you that. You know what? I just happen to have a clip that I oh, fired out because we don't set any oh, of this up Scout, in advance. Boy Scout, you're always be prepared, Stephen Conway. So. Let's hit play on that. What was that? Let's hit play. Finlay on the microphone, giving the two suite to Clark Connors, the newest member of Bull Club. So, Finley had a speech, and the speech was he wanted his Bullet Club 
to be full of savages. He was not going to let Bullet Club turn on him before he turned on them. So he is reforming his own Bullet He He is reshaping Bullet Club into his vision. And I don't think he's done with Clark Connors. I also think Gabriel Kipp's joining, and we're, hmm. we're, we're going to be seeing it very, very soon. There were tells here and there that was just kind of like, hmm. Well, there you have it again. Uh, once again, uh, Jeremy. April 18th. Uh, being careful to not to throw out his shoulder, patting himself on the back. But you did have that pegged exactly right. And uh, the attitude that, that he's been projecting right there fits in with Bullet Club. There's another guy whose attitude fits in with Bullet Club also. I don't think these are bad choices. I don't think they feel forced. I think these are guys whose personas have been slowly building into someone who could join Bullet Club. This is a long-term plan. They had this in mind for these guys for a while, and uh, you picked up on it. So nice work there because uh, I I think a lot of people in the crowd were shocked. Uh, Last question on this. Do you think Dan Maloney got Carl Frederick's spot? (laughs) Here's my thought on Carl Frederick's. I don't think the guy had it. And I remember when people were saying that, oh, he's going to be in G1 last year. And I just said that he's, he's, there's something missing with the dude. I don't. And now that he's, what was it? Eddie Thorpe or whatever it is in NXT, I'm more convinced than ever that there's just something missing with the guy. I just Mm. don't think he's that. Perhaps it is. Perhaps it's his spot. But I think that the guys they have in it are all better than Frederick's at it. And it's not that Frederick's is terrible, but I do think there's something missing. I'm not convinced there's something missing with these guys. Connor's, Clark Connors in particular, his personality as a heel, he really projects it. And I think it's going to help Dan Maloney, which we're going to get into in a minute. Uh, I think Gabriel Kidd, Coughlin, these guys are going to make pretty effective heels. And I don't know if Carl Fredericks has the charisma in either direction. He has the work. He can wrestle. But I don't know if he had the charisma to be either an effective babyface or a heel. And I think these guys do. So... Perhaps he got the spot, but uh, yeah, I think he's. Uh, I think this is a good move. I think it's a, it's a better version. Uh, we have a special guest that is going to join us now, and uh, he's going to join us for the remainder of the show. It is Justin Nipper, and yeah. we're going to have him join on now. There you go. Hello. Hello. Hey, sir. Justin. I, uh, the connection's a little shaky on my end. Is, is it okay on your end? You're fine, okay. my friend. We can hear you all right, yeah. So we're in the middle of our uh, Dominion rundown here, and we're going through that, and then we're going to go into uh, into the All Together Again uh, show coming up this Friday. So we wanted to thank you very much for joining us. Jeremy, you want to run down why Justin is the absolute perfect guest to have uh, here this week, uh, aside from the obvious, which is this dude's on the NOAA broadcasting crew. <laughs> Justin Nipper is the co-host of Write That Down with Fumi Saito and one of the premier historian and uh, knowledge bases for all of Japanese wrestling. And he has decided to join us today to cover the bases of the All Together Again show. And we are really thankful to have him. So thank you, Justin. <laughs> hey, thank you for the nice word. Yeah, no, write this write this down is something that I never miss right there. You and Fumi do a wonderful job getting into the history of Japanese wrestling, and there's so much great stuff to get into there and things you can learn that will apply to uh, the current product because there's such a reverence for history in Japan as opposed to the North American version of it, which is to erase it and write your own. Uh, you can learn a lot that applies to current Japanese wrestling through your show. And I uh, just want to say really appreciate what you guys do there. So, And thanks for joining us here. Thank you. 
So yeah, we were uh, we were just looking at uh, some of the things that are going to lead to this uh, all together again show, and uh, we just went over uh, the uh, tag team title match, and then we have uh, Jeremy. Do you want to talk about all together again now, or do we want to keep going? Yeah, let's through... just do the all together again now, yeah. and we'll, we'll get through that. So yeah, uh, what we're seeing here is a set of matches at uh, Ryogoku Kakujikan Sumo Hall on Friday, June 9th. Uh, show will begin at about 5 a.m. Eastern time. And we're seeing on top a couple of tag team matches with mixed teams. So we're seeing not so much on top anyway, not so much New Japan versus Noah or All Japan versus anybody else, but a mix. So the main event of this one, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kento Miyahara from All Japan. And if you haven't seen, I know it's not easy to see All Japan as it is some of these other companies and things, but Kento Miyahara is one of the best wrestlers on earth. Kato Kiyomiya is amazing. And Noah, we've seen him. He's going to be in the G1. He's going to be, they're going to be facing Kazucha Okada, Yuma Aoyagi from All Japan, and Keno from Noah. What a mix of talent in one match, Justin. Uh, you know, you look at Kiyomiya and Keno, and there with Tanahashi, Okada, and then the All Japan guys. This just has the potential to be a pretty tremendous six man. I mean, it's the ultimate dream matches, and it's kind of like the six top, six of the top, top modern Japanese pro wrestlers from New Japan, All Japan, Pro Wrestling Noah. Uh, I think there will be a lot of sub stories and you know many stories within the match itself the how Kiyomiya relates and reacts with other people on his team in the match Keno has already said he has his mind locked on Okada Aoyagi for this match even though his, they're his partners so uh, That'll be interesting. not only just a great match but um, like very interesting capacity for all kinds of different things to happen. Yeah. And, and it does seem like there could be some uh, twists and turns in this one, as far as uh, partners uh, not getting along or surprisingly getting along. There's just different paths they could take in this one that I'm really looking forward to. I'm really interested in the Okada and Tanahashi being on opposite sides while they're currently co-champions as well. So there's a little something for everybody going on in this one. <laughs> So uh, yeah, we're seeing uh, who, who makes contact, you know what I mean? Sometimes you have these matches and you notice that maybe this person and that person didn't make contact with each other in the match. They didn't even touch. So, hey, who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. And uh, then we have a, a pretty nice mix in a junior heavyweight division uh, here. We have uh, Amakusa uh, Atsuki Aoyagi. He's the all-Japan guy. Amakusa's with Noah. And they're teaming up with Hiromu Takahashi from New Japan. And they're going to be facing Master Wato, also from New Japan, of course. And then Rising Hayato from All Japan and Hayata from Noah. So, Justin, I have to admit that I'm not, I mean, I'm familiar with Amakusa. Hayata, not so much. Uh, and what can you tell us about him and uh, what, what story they might be telling with Amakusa and Hayata in this one from the Noah perspective? Uh, I mean, what to expect? A lot of flying, no doubt. Um, I don't know what to expect exactly. Hayata's current GHC heavyweight champion, um, and he and Amaksa just got into it. That's who he beat for the title 
uh, last month. So actually, maybe two months ago now. Uh, no, a month ago. Uh, yeah. Don't sleep on anybody in this match, especially the two All Japan guys. Um, Aoyagi, Atsuki Aoyagi is the brother of Yuma Aoyagi, who's in the main event. He, uh, he made a quick appearance in MLW a couple of years ago, but uh, he's an excellent junior heavyweight, and he's also former uh, still buddies with Mr. Rising Hayato, who is this great uh, kind of indie talent for quite a while until he got locked into the All Japan deal with the Aoyagis and Kento and such. Um, it'll be exciting. And I mean, with somebody like Hiromu Takahashi leading the pack, I'm not worried about the entertainment value for sure. No, no, it should be an air show. And what we have here, I, I suppose, is the top junior heavyweight rivalry from each company kind of paired off, so to speak, on each side. So it should be interesting to see. And I'm curious here, too, for the All Japan guys in particular, the I feel like they're really going to be hitting on every cylinder they can because the Noah guys have had the big Muta, great Muta retirement show at the Tokyo Dome. There's been the Wrestle Kingdom things. You know, Noah has their own shows going, and so does All Japan. But the, All Japan's audience not as big as Noah's in New Japan. I think this. I think All Japan is seeing the All Japan guys are going to see this as a real opportunity to impress people that they might not may not normally have seen them, so to speak. And uh, All Japan is a, a you know a, a long-running company, of course, and it's perfectly... I'm not trying to say that there's some upstart company that's barely hanging on. That's not what I'm saying, but it, both NOAA and New Japan have had major shows in front of big crowds this year in domes and a big... And All Japan hasn't quite had that. So I feel like they're going to be particularly motivated to shine in this in these matches. Yeah, All Japan... Uh, I mean, this current iteration of All Japan, the 2013 till now version, it's, it, it, the name is similar, but in, the, in the, the paperwork, it is technically a different company. And there are connections to the old IP and such, but management is much different, uh, especially since even two years ago. So uh, the scene over there, a lot of people like to talk about how great the talent is, but the backstage is just not i don't know not clicking like you said it's it's not unfair to say that they're not as popular as they once were but it's just a different system and thankfully they have been blessed with such a unique and almost lucky like roster like a, a depth of uh, talent on the roster especially with you know, we've seen a couple right now both ayagi brothers miyahara uh, Rising Hayato, and uh, we're going to see Fuji Ishikawa on the show, Suwama. I mean, that really carries them through, and I think they deserve to be on a grand stage. It was really cool to see the All Japan team at the Tokyo Dome. Mm -hmm. Someone like Kento Miyahara really definitely deserves to be on a big stage like that. So I think, like you mentioned earlier, the, the with Muto final, this is kind of like another chance for everybody else to get maybe it can shine if you, if you got the goods let's let's see it uh and the same for that all-star junior tournament that was a couple months ago too uh there'll be I, i'm happy that there'll be more and more chances for everybody to get their shot to show everybody that it's not just a one or two company country you know what i mean there's a lot of talent that's 
just hasn't been seen yet. And uh, the next one we have is a little bit more of uh, the Noah guys in here with this one. Uh, this one is uh, one company against the other. We have from just. I was so guys. happy they booked this match. I said Sana- at the end of last match. <laughs> Sanada, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and Takamichi Noku taking on Jake Lee, Yohei, and Tarasuke from uh, Noah. This should be exciting. And, you know, Kanemaru having a bit of a resurgence this year, having one of his better years in a long time. He's uh, broken away a little bit from his Suzuki Goon act and is doing some interesting things. Uh, Taka, don't call him the legend. Michinoku is probably going to take the fall because he always does. And you have the uh, world heavyweight champion here, uh, Sonata. But uh, Jake Lee, Yohei, and Tadasuke, this is uh, an interesting threesome here. What can you tell us? Uh, Jake Lee, I believe, is the isn't he the current GHC heavyweight champion, correct? He is a... Uh... He is the junior, excuse me, not junior, GHC heavyweight champion while uh, Tarasuke and Yohei are currently the GHC junior heavyweight tag team champions. We just had a great match in Shinjuku last week, and they'll face uh, Chris Ridgway, who's on this show, with Daga for those titles this month. Um, and you mentioned Kanemaru. you got to remember, he was one of those, to me, him, Marufuji, and Kenta, or some, and uh, Morishima, and Sugiura were the top guys who weren't, you know, the, not the Shitenno, like the big four guys carrying the company, but also Kanemaru is Noah to me. And he and he left New Japan from Noah as doing the Suzuki-gun thing. So I'm really interested to see his interactions in this. Um, I think Kanemaru does not get the respect he probably deserves. When I was a kid, I thought it was going to be Kanemaru, the pink shorts guy, that was going to be the big, big star mm-hmm. over Marvin Kenta when all those guys were coming up like as juniors. Uh, Kanemaru does not get the credit he deserves. I hope he can just – I want to see him in Tadasuke. I want to see him in Yohei. I think they'll just have great exchanges. And Taka, too, of course. But also, we got Sanada, we got Jake Lee. The thing that people aren't picking up on – you got to remember, it was a couple years ago. There was, I believe it was a Giant Baba memorial show. You guys remember that? Yes. It's kind of not, not as big scale as this, but same idea, kind of dream matches. And there were a couple exchanges between Sanada and Jake Lee. And I do remember that Jake Lee got caught up in the Paradise Lock. He was pretty embarrassed back mm. at that show. He got a big little kick in the rear. So, I mean, these little seeds, they're planted. They're there. And uh, now both are champions. Both are on the top of their companies. It's much different context this time, but these two have crossed paths. And I'm very interested to see how all of these guys, a lot of guys in this match, um, let's see what happens. It's very interesting. So I, I was super excited about the fact that they are actually doing just five guys versus good-looking guys. For whatever reason, that just tickled <laughs> me pink. But speaking of the color pink and red, Tadasuke was in Congo, and he's no longer anymore. Can you give a little background on that? They split. You know, Congo has been slowly dissolving over this year. This was actually, I believe, uh, when they got back together, you know, they were in Rattles together, these two. These these guys were a team uh, previously with others. So after a match... They decided to hook up. Later that night, they joined up with Jake and GLG. 
And I guess the the story is still yet to be told. There's not too much detail on it. It's just you know okay. they were there, available. And Jake Lee said in an interview, it's like, hey, I'm not going to turn them away. I think they're good. Now they're GLG, good looking right. guys. Good looking so, guys. I mean, it's it's also part of like Jake Lee. He's capitalizing on what he has in the moment. He just got to Noah January first. Changing he came the face out, of Noah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, he calls himself the Black Savior. He came in, he, he just immediately nabbed Jack Morris to be part of his group. He nabbed Anthony Green right off the, uh, the airplane. They gave him a shirt right as soon as he stepped into Japan. Uh, he grabbed uh, Tarasuke Nyohe right there when they split, when, when Tarasuke left Congo and joined up with Yohe. You know, that's the, the Jake Lee is, is capitalizing on what he has, and he's as he likes to say, he's getting to learn his history and kind of absorb all of these uh, characters and wrestlers he's coming across. Just like a, a Shang Tsung in Mortal Kombat, he's absorbing their soul and adding it to his repertoire and his, his own his, his history, as he says. So I think at the end of the day, the big, big and most interesting part of this is going to be how Sanada and Jake Lee uh, team off, square off, what's going to happen, and how is Jake Lee going to uh, come back and, and save face this time? All right. And the next match after that will be uh, LIJ, uh, three of them, uh, Tetsuya Naito, Shingo Takagi, and Bushi against Yuji Nagata, Suwama, and Yuma Anzai. Now, we had the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion in the previous match, the GHC Champion in the previous match, Yuji Nagata is the current Triple Crown champion, which is all Japan's top title and has been for uh, quite a while. Uh, I think when sort of the late 80s when they established the Triple Crown. And what we're looking at here is a little bit of a, you know, LIJ facing this all Japan group with that new Japan tinge, Yuji Nagata. Yuji Nagata later this month is going to do his Blue Justice show, uh, promoted show for New Japan. So Nagata is towing the line between these two companies, but he comes in here with his All Japan team against Naito, Takagi, and Bushi. So it'll be interesting to see Nagata as the uh, Triple Crown champion in there with uh, Naito, but it uh, should be interesting. And of course, you see Suwama right there, and uh, you, can't, uh, you can't imagine that Suwama is going to do anything but go straight after Shingo Takagi. The interesting part of this match is how much uh, bigger in terms of size uh, the Al Japan is compared with the LIJ guys. Not too much, but in general, Yuma Anza is a very young stud in Al Japan, and he's, I believe he has a, a title shot at Nagata soon. Uh, Suwama is the ultimate new generation Al Japan stalwart. I'm sure he and Shingo Takagi will get into it and yell at each other a lot. Uh, which we'll all enjoy. But, um, yeah, with Nagata in there, I mean, he is Triple Crown champion, but, I mean, he's he's New Japan through and through, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, so there's less, I mean, of course it's going to be good, but compared to the other matches, I, I think there's, you know, we've seen Nagata with all the, uh, the New Japan guys. So it'll we know what to expect. I imagine it'll be good, but I don't know if we'll see any, you know, curveballs or anything. Yeah. I just think we'll see great, great lineup between these six guys. 
Yeah, and then the next one promises a lot of good action as well, but a similar thing that it might not be the biggest uh, storyline uh, type of match here, but we have the United Empire, Francesco Akira, TJP, Aaron Hanare, Great Okan, Jeff Cobb against Jun Saito, uh, Rei Saito, uh, Ryuki Honda, Hikaru Sato, and Dan Tamura. That's the All Japan crew there on uh, the right as you're looking at the graphic right here. So uh, again, whenever you're in a 10-man tag, it, it tends to be full speed ahead. Everybody get their stuff in. Everybody gets a little chance to show off their big moves. We're probably going to see that. And uh, then it'll all just kind of devolve into a finish. But there, when you have 10 guys in a match, there's not a lot of time for anyone to sh one thing to, to, to shine. It just tends to be everybody gets a little bit of their stuff in and, uh, and shows off a little. That's what I'm anticipating from this one, unless you guys see it differently. No. Nope. I imagine uh, all Japan guys catching a lot of the smaller New Japan guys uh, because of how big uh, most of this all Japan team is. So, the Saito brothers, or ex-sumo, who've been training for wrestling for the past couple of years, uh, they started out pretty you know, prim and proper, basic, and now they've grown their hair out and they've lined themselves with that evil su <coughs> excuse me, Suama voodoo murders deal. Uh, Yuki Honda is absolutely, I, say, I, would, call, I would say amazing, um, especially for his age. He's really he's kind of a superstar rookie sophomore. He just got this new Shuji Kondo haircut. I don't know what's going on with that. Can't speak to it, but I, <coughs> I'd love to see him, Jeff Cobb, get into it. I'd love to see him and Hanare get into it. Um, Hikaru Sato, another very interesting, unique character. Not officially all Japan. Uh, I mean, in terms of contracts, but I mean, he's been with that company as a regular for for years and years now, and was one of uh, Mr. Aoki, the late Aoki's uh, best students. So, at X-Pan Craze, kind of like, I think, in, in years, he'll end up being a new Minoru Suzuki type, being like, a, he's got a really cool, legitimate background, but also has no qualms with being silly if he needs to. Uh, he always adapts to the situation, and I want to see how he interacts in this match. And don't sleep on Dan Tamura is one of the best, again, rookie sophomore types. Um, he reminds me of like, he looks like Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> and uh, that, that endears me. I really, I really do like him a lot. I think he's, it's again, like back to what we were talking about earlier. I don't know what other stage he would have to, to be on the show his stuff because the size of all Japan right now, but I really think he and Yuki Honda are two guys that really deserve to be seen by a lot of people. They're simply very good. Very, very good. I want to see how they work out with all these guys. But yeah, he, I mean, the hair, the teeth, you know, he's Calvin. I can imagine, you know, pissing on a New Japan flag or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> as a, yes, as, as uh, Calvin has in the back of many a pickup truck. So we have uh, next one, uh, Ren Narita, El Desperado, and Minoru Suzuki. Speaking of strong style. Uh, strong Speaking style of team strong style. Against Naomi Marufuji, Takashi Segura, and Junda Miyaka, oh, Miyawaki. Miyawaki. Sorry, Miyawaki. Sorry about that. I tripped over that one bad. Uh, I am Miyawaki. very hyped for this match. 
Yeah, I am too. And you know, the, the Marafuji. So uh, for New Japan fans, if you've only been watching New Japan and nothing else, you're, you will may remember Naomi Marafuji. He was actually in the G1 several years ago. It's been a, it's been a few, but he was in it. Uh, Pinned Okada in that tournament and ended up getting an IWGP title shot out of it. And uh, both matches were absolutely wonderful. And uh, Takashi Segura, my story on him, Segura and Go Shiozaki were in the main event of the show I saw at uh, Korokan Hall when I was there for the N1 tournament in 2019. So he's always going to have a spot in my heart. Boy, was that match hard hitting. Oh, and fantastic. was that the one hour match? Wasn't the one hour match. No, this is part of the N1 yeah. tournament there. And uh, uh, yeah, Segura ended up beating uh, Shiozaki there. It was a fantastic turn, uh, match. A really fun night. I got to, and then, like I said, that was my. Uh, experience at Corican, so uh, I was uh, I was thrilled to be there for that and uh, yeah Miyawaki here so uh, you know the, the, these are three guys uh, Ren Narita relatively new uh, with the veterans but uh, you got a lot of guys here that know what they're doing this is uh, another sleeper match it will be very good it's also it's really um, it's got a nice mix uh, Desperado I mean, he's coming out of nowhere. Every, every time I see him, he's doing something cool and new and different. And I saw he was all bloodied up this weekend at GCW. Am I right? Yeah, now he walks uh, boxly. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> you call it that, a shot, those, man. <laughs> those three guys, do they, they're like a team, right? Do they have a name? That's their stable. They're strong style. So when we go speaking of strong oh, right, style, right. We, we just like to call it out because they literally name themselves a stable of – that's the same name as our show, and so we we need the free advertising. Well, then, speaking of strong style, how about this match? Yeah, right? and I mean, <laughs> I'm happy to see Ren Narita in a position. He is like we we do still think of him as a new guy, but actually, when I watch, there's Junta Miyawaki, who's even he's really new. That that's neither here nor there, but I think it, it puts Narita in this new position of like. He's finally a senior to someone. I can see him and Milwaukee getting violent. Milwaukee's interesting, and I think he's he and Desperado are the lucha factors in this match. Milwaukee's been to Mexico twice, actually. He doesn't work for he's been in the companies like IWRG. And one really interesting thing about this kid, I mean, he looks so different compared to just eighteen months ago. His hair, his look, his tights. And Noah's really sent him into the deep end out in Mexico. His second match ever in Mexico was a cage match. Oh, <laughs> I mean, so he, he, he's able, he's talented, he's new, he's young. And you, you'll be able to tell because, so, like, Sugiura, on the other hand, fantastic look for somebody who just turned 30, uh, 53 last week. He was great. Amazing. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. 53. Oh. <clears throat> The thing about Ren Narita is really interesting. I think I actually, I have deja vu about having this conversation with you, Justin, uh, a while Mm -hmm. back. But he had a match with Juice on New Japan Strong back in October. That was this no-disqualification hardcore match. And after that match was over, I've never looked at Ren Narita the same way. Like, this dude was ready and he has arrived. And ever since then, like, I've just looked at him with this legitimacy. He had the tournament going for the New Japan TV title. And we were ready to be like, okay, if you if he beats Zach Sabre Jr., I'm fine with it. If Zach Sabre Jr. wins, I'm fine with it. But really, his stop has been losing the title and getting his ass beat by Okada and the two other guys, uh, Ishii and Tanahashi. But his ascent has been 
quicker than the other four of the young lion comic generation. I think. Yeah, I think part of it was when a couple of years ago, I remember he was a replacement in one of the best of the Super Juniors. He kind of, I think he, it might have been around the either pre-pandemic or during the pandemic, or it was something happened where he got a slot when he was still really new and much skinnier right. and no facial hair. And I remember from there, I remember thinking, wow, this kid's new. Is he, is he ready? And uh, that's been answered uh, time and time again. And I'm really looking forward to see. I want to see him and Sugiura get into it. I think they will hit each other very hard. <laughs> and of course, you know, once again, Desperado uh, is looking for respect because they misspelled his name on this graphic right here. Desperado. <laughs> El Desperado on this. Hey, thing. you know what? That is a New Japan issue. This is a New Japan production. All That's a New so. Japan slate, I bet. I I'm didn't gonna, even know what it was. My hands are up. Uh, but, you don't you know, you know, know anything about it. They don't even use L. Well, I got to say, though, it, it's. I, R's and L's in Japanese often it's I, I, I it's yeah. it's difficult yeah. because there's no approximation of anything similar in Japanese language. So to a lot of people it sounds different. So to a lot of people like I correct it all the time too. It's anybody that is not a native speaker of Japanese would have to do it. It's just what it is. It's silly to us, but it's also I think common enough where I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. So <laughs> Desperado. This uh, photo showed up for uh, Noah. He, he, there's actually a shirt that they're selling, and he was part of the Nosawa Rungai um, kind of retirement tour. He showed up on one of the Osaka shows. And I know there's a shirt being sold in the Noah store, a Desperado Nosawa Rungai collab t-shirt. So yeah, yeah okay. he, he's he's an unpredictable guy. Ah, this one. This, now yeah. this is my stuff. I like this one. Yeah, this uh, is the, this the only. I think it's the only. Is it the only All Japan versus Noah thing on here? Because I think everything else has a New Japan presence in it. So yeah, that, I, think I, was, I, I think it's the the only non New Japan thing on the show. Yeah, and of course, uh, Go Shiozaki, uh, just uh, one of the one of the top guys for Noah for a long time, been around there a minute. Uh, Katsuhiko Nakajima against uh, Shuji Ishikawa and Hokuto Omori from All Japan. So, yeah, uh, you know, Go and uh, Nakajima are some of the names that we've seen on top for Noah for a while. This is uh, a little bit earlier in the card than they're used to being, but it should be a pretty good match, I think. This could be the most hard-hitting match on the whole show, yeah. I would say. Uh, Ishikawa... I feel like he should have has always been able to be. I think he's a really talented guy who I don't know just quite why he hasn't broken through like to the tippy top yet. But I always have thought he's so talented and he's so sturdy. What a constitution on this man! Mm -hmm. uh, so I imagine he and Shizaki will trade hard chops. He's kind of this. He's a bit famous for the, the hardcore headbutt where you can kind of hear it in your own body. So <laughs> beware of that. Hokuto Omori from All Japan is another guy who's super impressive. And when Minoru Suzuki stopped in earlier this year, he and Hokuto Omori were kind of teaming and working together too. I would put him in the Dan Tamura category because they're from the same, uh, same class in the All Japan dojo. Uh, 
I think he's equally as talented. The main difference is Omori somehow learned to adapt to being a heel just really naturally. He was with Jake Lee in total eclipse when Jake Lee turned heel. It was also when Omori turned heel or bad boy. Um, he's a rough kid. I like that he's in this match, and I like seeing him with other rough seniors like Axes. So, yeah, I imagine this will be very violent, and uh, I call it a purple match. I imagine a lot of purple chests afterwards. <laughs> That's a good descriptor. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, so the next one, one-on-one, Shota Umino from New Japan Pro Wrestling against Yoshitatsu from All Japan. Yoshitatsu's worked for everybody, including doing a few years uh, in uh, WWE, but don't hold that against him. He uh, was uh, he was back in Japan and uh, doing some good work. But yeah, Yoshitatsu's worked for New Japan, of course, before. He's worked for everybody, really, uh, just about every major company. So this is an interesting uh, clash of generations here because uh, Yoshitatsu... Uh, from a different uh, from a different era than Shota, and so I'm curious to see what they end up doing with this one, Yoshitatsu against Shota Umino. Mm, I don't have much to say about this one. <laughs> this could be this could you know quietly surprise some people. Shota doesn't get a whole lot of singles matches, so I think the opportunity for him to have a strong singles match against a name that people are more or less familiar with is is probably a good use of the spot in this match. So. You know, I'm okay with it. We'll see. Well, it's, it's a good spot to get him a win. I think it would be. Yeah. Anyth- anything else would be a little nuts. That's kind uh, of that's kind of what I'm thinking. A good spot for a single match win. Good spot for a win for uh, for shooter. So uh, next one, uh, Kosei Fujita, Ichiban Sweet Boy, and Zack Saber Jr. Uh, Ichiban Sweet Boy, by the way, is what I call my new puppy too. I call him that all the time. So he's he's a it just seems to fit. So uh, Kosei Fujita, the puppy of New Japan, uh, and Zack Saber Jr. against Chris Ridgeway and Sean Legacy from uh, the Noah group there. So what can you tell us about Chris and Sean? You mentioned Chris a little bit earlier here. He's uh, been in the mix. Ridgeway, I know on Noah commentary, uh, Japanese commentary, that is, there has been taught, like Ridgeway and Zack Sabre is a kind of ultimate dream match for a lot of Japanese fans. I, I would say they're not the same, but they're, the way they wrestle is similar. I think Zack is the bigger of the two now. Uh, and I think Ridgeway is similar, but is someone who is more reliant on strikes and submissions, although he can hang as well. I Just seeing those two in the ring is probably worth the price alone, but we got these two additions. Fujita's great. I mean, for as young as he is, too, it's pretty amazing. Uh, he's, I would say this is high level. But Sean Legacy, okay, now here's, here's the guy. This is... Mara Fuji's pick out of 40 wrestlers from last year in San Jose. There was a big tryout. Sean Legacy was the pick. And man, Dwyer said was... Okay. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, now. you remember that, Jeremy. Yeah, I yeah. Do. There was like, it, it was at a Rev Pro. Yeah. Not Rev yeah. Pro. Um, Re, no, no, Re, that's in England. Um, uh, Revolution, Revolution uh, and West Coast Pro. Yes, yes. West Coast Pro yeah. and San Francisco. Yes, yeah. Uh, so the the San Jose school put on there was a, a tryout last year, last November during King of the Indies, and Nakajima and Marafuji were there to choose a new foreign Noah superstar, and a lot of great, a lot of known talent showed up. I mean, it was no there are no chumps there. Sean Legacy was chosen. He's Marafuji's kind of pet project in a lot of ways, but. 
this guy has gotten over like gangbusters already in Japan. He is a big fan of One Piece, the the cartoon, and he does the same, I guess, gesture or logo that one of the characters does. Super. People love him. I would describe him as like he's got a body that's like almost like a Brian Cage type body, but wrestles like a top junior heavyweight would. He's another unpredictable, really unique, really charismatic guy. What's that? He's kind of sold me on this match. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. No, I mean he's he's special, and I, I'm interested in what you guys think to how the crowd will react to him. He's he's got something that the Japanese fans really enjoy, and his athleticism is pretty unreal. I mean, for a guy that looks the way he does, that he can jump very far and very high. Uh, he, I, I would really recommend him and Stallion Rogers singles match. It was maybe under ten minutes from last week. They they have the capacity to tear it up. And if you think that Sabre and Ridgeway is going to be like the inside part of the match, inside the ring, I think Legacy is the guy who's going to take it outside the ring. He likes to fly. All right. So the uh, last one on the main show, there's there's a pre-show match as well. But the, the, the first match on the main show, Tomohiro Ishii, Hiroki Goto, and Yoshihashi, the Chaos Group, against Masa Kitamiya, Daiki Yanaba, and Yoshiki Inamura from Noah here. So you, you're seeing Masa Kitamiya, and you're seeing Ishii, and you're that's not a mirror image. It just seems like one. Uh, so, of course, you're going to put these two in there. Uh, Inaba, no small fry himself, Inamura. So we're looking at uh, a lot of hard uh, shoulder blocks, clotheslines. We're going to be hitting each other pretty stiff in this one, I think, right? I think so. I think uh, it's interesting, too, because you're dealing on the Noah side, uh, Kitamiya has been former tag team champion. He and uh, Inamura right now are a new tag team called The Tough. Uh, Kitamiya and Inaba were uh, former tag team champions earlier in this year. Uh, and you got Bishimon on the other side who are, you know, it's a, it's a tag team specialists match. And it just so happens that it's kind of like, you could also call it a butcher shop match. There's a lot of meat. A lot of it. Yeah, a lot of it. You go, you go back to the freezer. It's all the carcasses hanging. This is that match. Yeah, there you go. It's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be stiff. And I I think probably look just looking at this, you have the IWGP Tag Team Champions Ishii as part of the the never open weight six man title. So I think this will be a New Japan win here. I think we're probably going to be seeing quite a few New Japan wins because I think they have the the leverage. But uh, yeah, this is this is one that you're just going to see a lot of uh, a lot of fierce a lot of fierce shots, a lot of the bushido contest. We're going to square off in the middle of the ring and forearm each other, and uh, there'll be plenty of that in this one. And <clears throat> that's the kind of match that'll kind of get the crowd into it a little bit. They'll hear that smack of the the forearms and the chops, and uh, we'll get the crowd uh, up and running there. So, and then here is the uh, pre-show match. This is Yo and Ryusuke Taguchi from New Japan teaming up with All Japan's Black Mensore. And Rio Inoue against the Noah crew of Atsushi Kotoge, Seki Yoshioka, Alejandro, and Super Crazy. And uh, two of those things are not like the others. Of course, Alejandro and Super Crazy, <laughs> some, uh, some Lucha Libre guys. And Super Crazy was wrestling when I first got into Lucha Libre when I was in college. And I was in college a long-ass time ago. So Super Crazy's longevity, longevity in this business, pretty impressive. He's still out there wrestling. 
And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure, you know, this will just be an opener, uh, fast paced type of match. And I'm sure Taguchi will do a little comedy in there and it'll just kind of get the crowd warmed up. Not sure we're going to see this one on the main show or, uh, or, or not. I believe it may, it may be in the pre-show bit. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is uh, not officially part of the main card. This is the early match. I imagine it'll be fun. Uh, Kotoge and Yoshioka are former junior heavyweight tag team champions. And I really think that people need to keep their eyes on. If you're going to keep an eye on one person in this match, it's take Yoshioka. I don't know who's a faster wrestler than him right now. Um, just the sheer speed, the velocity of some of the stuff he does is worth the price of admission alone. It's cool to have, it's just, a, it's going to be a cool flying match. Uh, great to see super crazy back. In, I mean, a lot of the yeah. stuff super crazy still does. He's a different size now, but it looks the same. The yeah. execution is there. I wanted to also put over Yo Inoue. I think he's a young all Japan guy. He's very, very talented. Uh, he's got a nice martial arts base as well. And I think he just started dyeing his hair blonde. His charisma is now coming through. It's allowed to come through now. So I'm looking forward to see how he interacts with all these guys too. I think Super Crazy goes all the way back to the boom period of AAA wrestling in the mid-1990s back then, I think so. Yeah, hysteria. Yeah, it's, it's like when I went to that, when Justin, I was, I was laughing about this when I went to a sh that Cork and Hall show. In one of the early matches, <clears throat> there was a guy who was, looking great and moving around and but he he was definitely more of a veteran and an older guy and i'm sitting there looking at him and I'm, my girlfriend doesn't know anything about wrestling i'm just like oh god damn that's omori like omori is still wrestling you know like, and he's still wrestling really well and i'm just like good grief sometimes these guys just have that kind of uh longevity and uh you know omori was doing well in that match and uh, yosh and super crazy still going and still and it's, it's just kind of funny that some guys uh, uh, can can just keep on going year after year after year like they can. It's uh, so it'll be fun to see Super Crazy here too. So Justin, thank you so much for coming on and doing this preview with yeah. us. Your insight was fantastic, and it truly appreciated. Before we let you go, we need to yeah. talk quickly, and we would be remiss not to ask you about any insights you had about one of the two non-New Japan entrants to the G1 Climax 33, that being Kaito Kiyomiya, who is entering the G1. Do you have any insights, thoughts, how this came about, how you think uh, the stories might be for him, or what he set out to prove? I think my boy, Kaito Kiyomiya, is going to kick all of the ass this summer. I think every single person he faces is going to beat and I think he's going to win the G1. And I think he's going to make Okada so, so regretful and embarrassed by the time the summer's end. What, what, I'm very interested in him because I don't know this. He's in the G1, Mr. Kiyomiya, but I don't know if he's also going to be in the N1, which is going to be announced. That all the competitors are going to be announced on the 22nd at the Corican Hall show. If he does both, I'd be really impressed. I wouldn't be upset if he's not in it. He won it last year, so he doesn't necessarily need to do it. But, I mean, he's going to go into New Japan. He's going to kick all the ass. And I think it's going to be wonderful. I'd expect and no less. I, no I mean, I want to see, with, with the block that he's in, I mean, I want him and Alex Coughlin, him and Shingo Takagi or Will Ospreay, <laughs> or him and somebody like Sanada, 
something like Sonata, I think the styles are really like simpatico. You know what I mean? I think yeah. there could be, but really speaking, there could be some really cool matchups that none of us w- would probably never think of it. And then New Japan might lay out something where it's, you know, wow, I had no idea, but these two are fired together. Or somebody like him and Shota Umino, they're kind of the same generation. You know what I mean? That has its own different flavor, too. So my my guess for Kiyomiya is that he's going to do well in the tournament. I, you know, this is probably going to be eight uh, eight wrestler uh, uh, per block, so probably four blocks of eight guys. My guess is he's going to be in there with someone in New Japan who is a champion, and probably not necessarily Sonata. Could be any of the others, but and possibly beat that guy and maybe get a title shot down the line. And maybe it is Sonata. Maybe maybe it is. Because uh, they did that with Marafuji, like I mentioned earlier. It's happened before where they've given a guest a win over the champion and then brought him back for a big show uh, down the road. Could be. Uh, I'm not saying it can't be Sonata. Could be anybody, though, any of the champions. I think he's definitely going to do well in the tournament and be in the mix, at least, for a possible shot in the semifinals. I don't know if he gets there or not. But there's no doubt in my mind that Kitamiya is probably going to win a lot more than he loses in this tournament. I would and maybe agree. gain a title shot down the line. I, that's kind of my guess. He might not make the semifinals, but he might come back because he pinned a champion. And I think so, that might be the way they kind of give him a little uh, respect and uh, show off there. Uh, that, that's we'll just find my out opinion. the bracket on the 10th, on the show on the 10th. <laughs> and uh, those will be very curious, but he uh, he should be set in a queue to to do very well this year. Uh, yeah. It just makes all the sense in the world. I was happy to hear the reaction to his image on the oh. screen in Lasaka. That was Big really pop. cool. Big pop, yeah, uh, definitely. I think, and I think a lot of New Japan hardcore fans learned to hate Kiyomiya a lot this year. So I think there's also going to be a chance for him to function at like remember when Tanahashi a couple years, maybe it's a while ago now, but he went through his own forbidden doors, even in all Japan, and was kind of like a heel, kind of, mm-hmm. or, or outsider representing something that this company's fans don't like. And I think that's something that we just can't get in Noah because he's Mr. Noah. Yeah. So I think it's a cool, that it could make for some cool dynamics throughout the yeah. tournament. Uh, Miguel Rubio watching here says, my guess is Kiyomiya plays spoiler for Okada and finally gets his win. That's also very, very possible that it could be something like that. It can uh, be the, uh, you could trip Okada before he gets to the finish line. And then another comment here we had from Dunstan Williams, Keno and Okada are not going to get along and I will love it. He's here for it. (laughs) It Keno doesn't really get along with many people. (laughs) So it's part of his charm. Part of his charm. (laughs) That's why we love him. I don't know if anybody saw it, but on his own channel, he has a Kendo channel on YouTube, and he... Okay, so some context. Bushi from LIJ, he has a kind of famous fried chicken restaurant. And uh, a lot of New Japan fans like to, especially when they're in Tokyo, they like to go to the show and then go to Bushi's fried chicken restaurant. Well, Kendo on his channel, he disguised himself as an LIJ fan with LIJ masks, sunglasses, and hat. And he went there, and he he went to Bushi's restaurant for some investigating. Uh, he tends to do this. He did I, the same to uh, Naito. Oh, 
Mm. I, I, I subscribed to the, the YouTube channel after you went on the Mike and JD show and explained the beauty that was uh, Keno's YouTube channel. This stuff is great, you guys. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen it. I'll have to take a look. I'll have to take a look. I've, I've, I've been pushing hard to get more English uh, on it, but it's a, it's a popular show. Um, I try to incorporate as much as I can into to what we're doing in Noah as well. It's a big it's cool. And he's doing a lot of talks, solo shows where he'll invite an audience and they'll be there. And it's like a, you know, live chat show. He, cool. He's very talented in a lot of different ways. He kind of reminds me of Neil Patrick Harris in a little bit, like an angry Neil Patrick Harris as a wrestler. <laughs> he's just so talented in so many different ways. I'm, I'm willing to bet that's the first time he's been compared to Neil Patrick. Absolutely. Harris. I'm, just, I'm just gonna roll that out there. I, I I'm, bet that's I'm, the first I'm gonna one. own it. <laughs> He is, uh, he's having his 15th anniversary show at the end of the month, actually. Uh, he's, he's from Tokushima, which isn't a, a big, uh, it's not Tokyo. It's a big, more rural city out near the ocean. It's where he trained under Jinsei Shinzaki in Michinoku Pro, and he's going to have a big uh, NOAA-produced 15th anniversary show coming up, too. This is really his year, more so than ever. Feels like it. Feels like it. Well, Justin, we got to finish this off with the thing, and we're going to let you go. Thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, we're going to talk soon, both on and off there. Thank you so much, my friend. Thanks, Justin. uh, Appreciate it. Got anything to plug? Any socials? On Twitter, I'm at Justin M. Nipper, K-N-I-P-P-E-R. Yeah, and this Thursday slash Friday, let's watch all together again. And Noah has another big show uh, this month in Niigata. Excuse me, Nagoya. Jake Lee and Takashi Sugira for the GHC heavyweight title. And you can watch that on Wrestling Universe. And, oh, and I, just, I, I should mention, by the way, I just found out from the office this week, Kiyomiya's matches in the G1 will not be available via Wrestling Universe or NOAA or anything. So if people want to watch Kiyomiya this summer, they got to sign up for New Japan. So, and one, that, one that quick, very quickly before you go, Justin, we do have a question from you from the audience. Eric Collin is hey. asking, are there any more plans to have more Joshi mashes on Noah cards? Uh, it's, I want to give a simple answer, but it's just not as... Uh, yes, but I don't want to say it like there is some set plan, but don't Every be surprised. Every intention to do so. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of other just balls in the air right now, but I could, my answer is I could see more women's matches happening on the bigger shows towards the end of the year. But again, it's still, things are in motion. Uh, The only thing I can add is you probably won't see um, like Tokyo Joshi crossover. The women that would be on the cards are going to be, usually have their own reputation and style and affiliations. And that's kind of been the way it's uh, been going so far this year. Yeah, there have been, like, Jingle Kiona uh, mentioned the uh, GHC women's title. The women are talking about it, but there's nothing official yet. I don't want to say yes or no, because I don't know, but if I had to make uh, an estimate, I could say you, we'll likely see more really cool women's matches on Noah cards. But um, again, it's still, there's, it's one of those things. There's, there's a lot of cool stuff that I want to talk about, but it's so it, it's not solidified yet. So yeah. 
I don't want to get people excited over something that's not going to happen. But okay. yeah, one one last question for you: the yes. altogether again card is available to view on New Japan World. Is it also available to be watched on? So it's only available on New Japan World. It's available on New Japan World as a pay per view. As a pay per view until September 9th is the date that I will. Yeah. So it so, will not so, be available elsewhere until then. Yeah, inside baseball, this is a New Japan production. Yes. This is not, Noah is providing talent, but it's uh, just like Muto Final was a Noah production with some outside talent like New Japan. This is New Japan's okay. big show, and they're in charge, so they have all the rights. Fair enough. All right, check out Write This Down with Justin and uh, Fumi Saito on the Fight Game Media Network. It's, it is the best uh, history re- wrestling history podcast out there, and uh, they do a wonderful job with it. Make sure you check that out. And, Justin, again, uh, big thanks for coming on. Thank you. And this week, Write That Down, we're covering Paul Heyman in ECW. So check hey. that out. Hell yeah. We'll do All it. Right. Yes. Check it out right we're here. A nice thanks, original man. picture from Fumi that he provided me of Mr. Heyman talking on his big phone in the office. All right, guys, thank you so much for having me, and uh, talk again soon. Bye. Bye. All right, well, some great insight there from Justin Nipper, and uh, right now we're going overtime today. There's just too much to talk about. We're going to keep on going. We we have a supersized uh, speaking strong style. I like that. So where did we leave off with the TV title match? We're going to get right back to it. And uh, we had uh, Zack Sabre Jr. facing Jeff Cobb for the television title, a rematch after their 15-minute draw. And again, it was Zack's submission game against Cobb's power game. And I like that Zack Sabre Jr. can climb Jeff Cobb like he's in a jungle gym. You can just work around the guy because he's just such a a strong base. This is fantastic, again, from these two. Uh, Zach even hit a German suplex on Cobb, so he's been doing his squats. And, uh, you know, the end came in a really cool way. Uh, Cobb went for a tour of the islands, which was reversed into a crucifix for the pin. Very nice. It is excellent. And, of course, this clears the way for a possible TV champion versus TV champion match with Samoa Joe. But I love this. I, I thought it was a terrific match. And, he, uh, yeah, and, and it keeps Zach as the, the TV champion. And it works a little better for him with his style, than I think, than Cobb. So it was a good choice, I think, to keep it on him. Nothing to add. It was a fantastic match. I think we've put a bow on this feud for now. And uh, the right man won. And as Brad mentioned, Zach hitting on uh, Cobb post-match with Kevin Kelly was pretty great. Yes, that was that was enjoyable. Uh, that was a lot of fun. So we have, uh, yeah, uh, next was the match for the IWGP Junior Tag Titles. Kevin Knight and Kushida went in as the champions facing Catch-22, TJP and Francesco Akira. Can we, and in this... can we just call this the Kevin, Kevin Knight Spotlight Show? Yeah, it really was. And Kevin Knight did everything very impressive in this one that he, that he always does. Uh this is a title that always bounces around, so I'm never surprised when the title changes hands. But this was 10 minutes and 48 seconds of uh, a lot of fun. It was excellent. Uh, the assisted acai moonsault by Kevin Knight almost overshot everybody, almost splattered him. Uh, an air show early for sure. Uh, Knight managed to hit a doomsday-style dropkick. So the guy was up on uh, Kushida's shoulders. There we go. And, uh, and uh, managed to look at that. Kira way up there. Knight, that leaping ability is staggering. And, uh, you know, that's that's his usual part of his act is doing these type of uh, giant leaps, whether it's to the top rope or doing the Hurricane Rana off the top rope. But it's impressive every single time. You just don't imagine somebody can do stuff like that. Uh, Catch-22 got the leaning tower and the double running knees to regain 
the championship. This was very, very good. Uh, again, the junior heavyweight titles move around a lot, so not any kind of an angle or a knock on Knight or Kushida. It wasn't a failure for them in holding these champions. This is champions. I was a little champions surprised. Bounce around. You were surprised, surprised they lost? I was surprised they lost, but it was clear that they had plans afterwards, and, you know. They definitely did. And what we had was Clark Connors coming out from Bullet Club saying that he wanted to challenge Catch 2-2. So the question is, who was his partner going to be? Well, Connors gestured toward the locker room when Dan Maloney, who was out with his United Empire teammates, clocked Akira and TJP from behind, turning on them and joining Bullet Club. Why, Dan? Why? Why? Maloney's personality is far more suited to Bullet Club than it was to United Empire. And I think this is a better fit for him. And again, part of that youth movement and Finlay movement going in Bullet Club. So I think it works. I think he has the right attitude for it. Uh, Catch 2-2 was left laying. And then they had another fight in the backstage comments area. And Bullet Club won that too and left him laying again. So we uh, were know, both it, vibing that there was uh, there wasn't something quite fitting with Maloney, whether it was presentation, tone, whatever. But uh, that seemed to be by design. And if you picked up on it, you were supposed to pick up on it. And writer uh, Brad has a theory. I have a th- that they were going to do a full Bullet Club United Empire feud, but Mark Davis threw a wrench into that with his injury. Uh, that's and that since uh, Bishamon uh, ended up with the tag team titles, the Maloney turn here was done perfectly. Yeah, it was a very good turn. It was a really, it was a good turn. It was not expected. A lot of people were in the crowd. Certainly, were pretty surprised. So uh, I kind of sensed it just watching it live uh, because Maloney very subtly, but noted, but n- not quite subtly. And I noticed it. He backed up and went behind them. And I just thought, oh, okay, Maloney's going to turn on him. Just as, as I got to the word turn on him, to words turned on them Ding. in my head, bang, there it was. And I just thought, okay, yeah, nice. I like it. Uh, that, that was good. Well uh, played. Well done. And then we had uh, LIJ against just five guys, uh, not all of them, uh, just uh, it was only four guys. The Sonata was in the main event. But uh, Naito, Shingo, Titan, and Bushi uh, defeated just five guys in nine minutes, 24 seconds. This is with uh, Titan getting the win on his way back to Mexico. I believe this is one of his last, I, either was or one of his last matches or his last match. He got the immortal lock on uh, uh, Takamichi Noku to tap him out. So they send uh, Teton out with a victory and uh, LIJ and just five guys are going to continue to wrestle each other on the house show circuit coming up. We'll see the one in Chiba on new Japan world for Saturday, but, uh, and these will be Yoda Suji's early, uh, house show matches and his uh, early tags uh, in the, as part of this LIJ and just five guys have been working each other ceaselessly since the new Japan cup. And it looks like it's going to continue on for about another month or so. Yeah. I'm getting a little tired of it. Uh, it felt fresh two months ago. It was starting to feel a little stale a month ago and uh, it is uh, kind of coded out uh, a little bit. Now uh, the yeah. LI just five guys feud, as I like to shorthand call it. And uh, it's fine. I, I hope that by the time we get out of G1, and I can't believe I'm saying by the hot time we get out of G1 that we have moved on from this, but uh, <laughs> that seems like we're going to wrap things up before then or through then. Gino Gambino was on commentary, and he was not able to yell out Doki Choki. He never locked it in. So, yeah, I'm sure he was disappointed. That's why he flew all the way out there. Uh, he's been uh, flying in and out as uh, Kevin Kelly does his impression of him. Uh, there and uh, so no, I didn't get to yell Doki Choki Kevin, which uh, I was kind of looking forward to also. But first match of the night that was televised, so of course, we mentioned they had the young lion uh gauntlet earlier. 
Will Ospreay and Lance Archer met in the number one contender tournament for the IWGP U.S. heavyweight title. There was not much doubt who was going to win this match. We knew that uh, I don't think anything could have disappointed wrestling fans much more than Roman Reigns winning his WrestleMania match. Second only to that would have been Lance Archer being in the match with Kenny Omega and not Will Ospreay. Uh, so we knew that Will was going to win this one, and he did. It was fast-paced and fun, though, and I always thought Archer was a very good big man. I, I still think he is. I think he's good. We found out he had the torn bice, uh, torn tricep, rather. And that's Which is why he hasn't been around action. for a while. Yeah, so apparently everybody in this number one contenders tournament was injured and beat to hell. So we, but, uh, and Osprey, of course, still has a soldier, a uh, shoulder, soldier issue? So, uh, shoulder issue. Yeah, at this point, they might just shoulder it back off. <laughs> soldering it, <laughs> soldering it, shouldering it, the whole thing. Um, boy, there, Stormbreaker attempt failed due to that shoulder thing. Uh, and Archer's enormous. That's part of it, too. Uh, Archer managed to hit his choke slam, but Will kicked out. That was a uh, pop of relief from the crowd. Uh, Will ducked a short arm clothesline, kicked Archer in the leg, hit a hook kick, got a hidden blade that only got a one count. But uh, as it turns out, there were three more hidden blades in more Lance Archer's blades. immediate immediate future. Uh, this was good. And they had a little fist bump of uh, respect afterwards. It was a good match. And, uh, you know, it served exactly what it was supposed to do, which is to get Osprey to Kenny Omega at Forbidden Door. So the two matches we know for Forbidden Door are Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega in a rematch of one of the best matches I have ever seen in my life from Tokyo Dome. And Kazushiko Okada versus Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, whatever. Uh, a match that we have been dying to see for years and years and years. I, I keep calling him Daniel Bryan from because I watched him more than ever. Da Bryan Danielson against Kazushiko Okada. Uh, and again, dream matches, right? This is uh, everything we would want. This is... All the stuff that's bursting at the seams when it comes to New Japan right now. We had so much talk to talk about. We spent an hour on Dominion, 45 minutes on all together. Again, there's just so much to talk about. And the future is going to be incredibly bright for New Japan. They have put everybody strong booking uh, that needs to be strongly booked. The champion is strongly booked. Okada looks like an unstoppable asshole monster right now. Will Ospreay is on a good run, and they have done very careful to keep him healthy on the run-up of this dream match. So I imagine he's probably not going to be doing a whole lot of matches between then and the G1. And then, you know, let's just hope he makes it the G1 in one piece. But special times ahead. And Colin mentioned that he enjoyed uh, Kevin and Chris's commentary hating on uh, House of Torture. They are, they they have been a good voice for our frustration with that whole gimmick there and uh, staying in yeah. character as they do it. So another strong performance from uh, one of the truly best teams in uh, nothing I've ever heard do consistent. all wrestling. Yeah, uh, and we, we want to mention the G one. Yeah, we want to mention the G one here. Week. Yeah, we will know more about the blocks next time. But right now, we do have the 32 entrants. Now, most of them are people that you would think. So we're not going to, we won't just run down all 32. That doesn't make for great podcasting. But it's all the guys you would think with a few people thrown in. We have Tongaloa coming back, mm -hmm. as well as Tama Tonga, of course. But Tongaloa, of course, out with a knee injury. Haven't seen him in a long time. Hikuleo, uh, a bit of a surprise getting his first run in the G1 here. And uh, Kenta's going to be coming back here. He's recently the Defy champion, as well as the strong openweight champion. 
uh, we will see Eddie Kingston from AEW. So if you were going to give me a list of AEW wrestlers to be in the G1, I would have gone down quite a few names before I would have gotten to Eddie being in there. Uh, but uh, he, uh, in, that's an, that's some interesting matchups, the Eddie Kingston style. And of course, Eddie, a lot of respect for Japanese wrestling. I expect him to put on a pretty good performance here. But uh, what did you think when you saw Eddie Kingston being the AEW representative? I wasn't surprised, but I was also, no, I I wasn't surprised that Eddie Kingston was on there. I was surprised he was the only entrant from AEW. Like when you get Eddie Kingston, you're like, okay, he's the first. And then it's followed up with a couple more. And then it was just Eddie. And I was like, well, he's not got a whole lot going in Ring of Honor. He's somewhat expendable in AEW right now. He's exactly the kind of guy and exactly the kind of opportunity that uh, just kind of, he's there and he's free to work it. And Tony's like, go do it. It's fine. But Mm -hmm. you know, like it's a bucket list item for him. And I'm, and I am 100% all for it. I just like, this is the cost, you know, when you go to do an event like this, you are no longer figured into the plans at AEW, it seems like. And if you're not figured into the plans there, is that a good thing or a bad thing for you to be in the G1? So I am I am more than pleased that he is in it, but there are ramifications to it that I kind of scratch my head and be like, what is Eddie Kingston's value at AEW and Ring of Honor? But that is that is a story for another day. And then we also have uh, Gabriel Kidd and Alex Coughlin getting their first run. So they're definitely pushing them very hard, the War Dogs. Uh, we are getting Mikey Nichols and Shane Haste as singles, which I was a little bit surprised. Uh, the, no the, filthy Tom, which kind of bummed me out. Yeah, a little bit. And, you know, yeah, no no Tom Lawler. He's not in it. I, was, I thought uh, Royce Isaacs and Lawler, bad dude Tito, and, of course, you know, Jonah's in uh, mm-hmm. WWE now, so he wasn't going to be there. But I thought those guys did well enough last year to mm-hmm. maybe get a return in. But uh, Colin said he thought there would be more non-Japanese guys in the G1. Yeah, it looks like most of them are uh, the Bullet Club gang and uh, a few others. But, uh, yeah, there's, uh, you know, El Fantasmo's in there uh, and – uh, Zach, but uh, you would expect those guys and Finlay, of course. So there are a few, but in a, with Osprey and such, but uh, not a whole lot of guests there. But uh, Kato Kiyomiya, uh, the big name there, and of course Yoda Suji will be in mm-hmm. his first G1 as well. So uh, all that's coming up. We'll have more information on that as we get the blocks. And when we see the blocks, I think we'll have more of an idea who might be making the semifinals and the finals. And we'll be doing a lot of supposing. On I'm going to tell you right now, I tournament. think Will Ospreay is going to win the whole thing. But that's just, yeah. you know, that's just something I've been saying since January, and I, I want to remain consistent. Dark Horse, if they are sticking with Sonata for the rest of the year, I'm not convinced they are. If they are, then the story is Naito, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it, Naito know, you, in the short term, but I do think the longer, longer, long-term story is Naito Yodosuji. Yeah, and uh, Brad mentions no bad luck Fale or Yujiro days off. No, but there is a Yano day off. Whoever, someone's going to get a Yano day off, but uh, you you only have that one in the one block. So and uh, Kingston in New Japan is great. This is Miguel Rubio. Uh, it's great to rehab him from his losses and provides new matches for him. Hey, no complaints from me. I love Eddie. I, I I think Eddie's terrific. I'm looking forward to his backstage comments. He's one of the best talkers in the entire industry. I think it'll be wonderful. Uh, Kingston versus Taichi is a love letter to King's Road would be great, according to Miguel. That's a very good point. That's a couple of guys that came out of that All Japan uh, system there. And uh, of course, uh, 
Eddie Kingston wears the Toshiaki Kawada colors. His his singlet is uh, matches the colors of Toshiaki Kawada, one of the pillars of All Japan Pro Wrestling, which is my favorite era of wrestling of all time, that mid-90s All Japan. One last question for you before we go. Fire we away. don't know the brackets and we don't know the layout totally. Would you rather have two people for every bracket advance like they did in the Super Juniors or only have one? I think I would only, I would like to have semifinals and finals. I don't know if we need quarterfinals for this for me anyway. I, I, I'm, I'm There's okay 32 with... people though, so it could be real interesting. Yeah, and they might do that. They might do that, but uh, that, that that's a lot of moving parts. And for, for Ghetto's sake, to try to book uh, eight people into playoff position, quote unquote, uh, is, is a lot there. So there's uh, a dude that can nail a Sudoku book in Ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> Does Omega versus Osprey for the U.S. title throw a wrench into the Osprey winning at Wrestle Kingdom story? Not, Not if Osprey loses. You're right, and and you know the thing is, he's positioning himself heavily as the heel here in Toronto. He is trashing Canada. He is uh, going full bore. Is uh, the uh, the jerk in this? Uh, so, yeah, I don't I don't know that he beats Kenny here. Uh, again, it depends on how long term they're thinking. Is, is this something that uh, is just going to be one and one beca- because Kenny won the first one, Will wins the second? Uh, or is there something larger at play here? And, uh, you know, it, it could uh, lead to that. My but, knee uh, jerk booking on the main event is Okada wins and Omega wins. We'll see. Uh, but should be, uh, yeah, I do believe Okada is going to win just because of the comments that I've heard uh danielson make on podcasts where one of his favorite things to do is have an epic match where he puts somebody over he really enjoys that aspect of it where it's you know he gives them the biggest tussle and then uh puts somebody over at the end and i think he will will probably do that for uh Okada. this is all the build i need for oh, Okada I, versus brian danielson they have my money right Chico okada with the tweet that says let's see who the real best in the world who is the real best of the world at forbidden door yeah, yeah, how about this, man? I, you, just a, a couple of years ago, this was you, you were never going to see this. You know, I, I we really talked thought about it. we all like, oh, you know, this would be cool if it happened, but a lot would have to happen for this to happen. Yeah, well, it's all happened, that, everybody. <laughs> a lot has happened, hasn't it? The is is it this year in wrestling has just been brilliant, hasn't it? I mean, the, the in WWE has had the Bloodline story going. You've had the Bianca Belair thing uh, going, which has been really, really good. Uh, so I'm not saying that everything is great over there, but those pieces of the puzzle have been excellent. The Cody story has been interesting. Maybe it didn't go Careful, the way it should, but don't talk too good about WWE. Can't say people. it's dull. And then AEW has had some fun stuff. They've had ups and downs too, but there's been some terrific stuff. AEW there. is going to have a really interesting summer and uh, a shot in the arm, if you will. New Japan and then Stardom. My God, Stardom! The year Stardom is having, and there, there, there's going to be a cage match later this month with Oedo Tai versus Queen's Quest, and escape the cage match where the last person in has to leave their faction. And I think that it might be uh, Queen's Quest starting to uh, show some uh, splits there. I, there's just been great stuff everywhere. I, I, it's been a wonderful year to be a wrestling fan for me, anyway. And it's barely June. Having a great time doing this show with you and having a great time watching wrestling this year. All right. As Colin said, let's hope the injury bug doesn't strike before Forbidden Door this year. Your lips to God's ears, Colin. Let's hope. Good Lord. Don't even, don't even put that 
energy into the world. Don't even, don't, <laughs> don't even put it out there. <laughs> well, we want to say thank you to everybody for sticking with us. Like I said, supersized super edition, but a lot going on, isn't there? So I uh, appreciate everybody sticking with us for the whole show. And for the folks listening in podcast, uh, we appreciate you. We definitely appreciate the folks that have taken their time to be with us live today. Many, many thanks to you guys. And uh, we, we love sitting here talking wrestling with you. So, Jeremy, really any do. thoughts, any final thoughts? Uh, we got a big June plan. We're working to secure some guests for a number of shows coming up because Forbidden Door is going to have a lot of interest both in and out of New Japan, and we are looking to cater to that information just like we had Justin Nipper today. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for a fun, fun June. All right. So with that, uh, we will sign off for this one. Uh, again, we will be back at uh, 5.15 p.m. Eastern, 2.15 p.m. Pacific in the United States next week here on uh, Speaking of Strong Style. So for Jeremy Feinstone, I'm Stephen Conway. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again very soon.